So this is going to be interactive. So be prepared to answer questions, give input. We we'll need everybody to, to give input. But when um, what's the first thing you think of when somebody if somebody would walk up to you and say, "Hey, I cast out a demon today." What would what would pop up in your mind? Sharing about 
us. It's because God is is restoring this ministry, and um, I believe that this is part of getting. Like we're singing that song, we're getting ready, and I think that's part of what God's do, is is doing to get His church ready. Is restoring the ministry of deliverance because even in the charismatic churches, I mean, much less your conservative evangelicals. All they're out. I tell people I'm a conservative evangelical, <laughs> and it's funny just the people the ideas they have about what charismatic is. So I usually try not to use the word charismatic. I say we believe everything in there. So. Um, so anyways, even in charismatic churches, you have prophecy of words of knowledge, power evangelism, signs and wonders, but not many churches are operating in deliverance ministry. And, and God is, this is one of the hallmarks of actually the kingdom of heaven, because Jesus, he said, tell John, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Cast out demons, you heal the blind, you heal the leper, you raise the dead. So like casting out demons is like one of these fundamental things that is a hallmark of the, of the kingdom. And Jesus did this. So, so part of what we're seeing is as things continue to be shaken more and more, what happens when things are shaken is, it's like, imagine there's an earthquake and a demon's hiding behind this rock or this... <laughs> And the earthquake happens and it moves the rock and the demons like exposed. And this is, and so when God, so COVID was like a major shaking, right? And there's current, the things that are really happening in the world, you can say Russia and Ukraine is a type of shaking. All of these things are going to continue to expose and, and there's going to be a greater polarization of good and evil. The lines are going to be drawn more clearly. And so one of the good things about when God shakes things is it cuts down on confusion. That's one of the blessings of, of shaking and, and judgment. And we're going to see demons manifesting on a greater level. And I feel like we need to be ready to address them. And so you already see it like whenever the Supreme Court case got leaked out, what, what happened on a corporate level, you had, you had people manifesting. On like a, in front of a microphone. I mean, literally, the rage, the contempt, and like the, the the nonsense, like the stuff that you're saying one thing and coming over here and you're saying another, you're contradicting yourself. And so the, that type of thing is going to increase on where it's like a corporate rage mob type mentality, and you're also just going to encounter more one on one. Derek Prince, he says, for the most part, the people who are currently in Satan's kingdom don't realize where they really are. Because it is a kingdom of darkness. And they can't see. In contrast, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of light. Therefore, those who are in his kingdom know where they are. And so that's that's part of the another hallmark is that we we should have sound minds, right, as Christians. And we should know where we are. But people who are in darkness don't even know who they are. That's why it's called deceptions. All right? 
So now the question I want to ask you is, what are demons? I don't understand. We know this too. What are demons? Fallen angels. Anybody else? Evil spirits. Right. So fallen angels. What does that mean? If they're fallen angels, what does that mean? They were going against God. Do they have power? They fall on angels. Do they have some power? Okay. How do they operate? Operate in a very similar way to, to angels 
operator. So angels minister the word of the Lord. So Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord. You as angels who might in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. So if you pray, God, but we need provision. We need, we need our rent paid this month. And there might be, you know, a check might show up in your mailbox and you're like, how did I get there? Or money might appear here. So I had, I've told this story before, but I've had money appear in my wallet after getting all the cash away in my wallet. How did that get there? I believe an angel put some money in But he's ministering. The word of the Lord is, hey, angel, but provision. Go put some cash in Travis's wallet. They, they give you the bidding of the, of the Lord. And so, so it says that they minister the word of the Lord. Daniel encountered a man that looked like Jesus in Revelation 1, but he's, it's clear that it's not him, but he's, he's an angel. He's like, I've been held up by the Prince of Persia. And he's ministering the word of the Lord. And Gabriel came to give Mary the word of the Lord. He came to give Zechariah the word of the Lord, right? And so they're messengers. And a lot of times when you read messages in the New Testament, it's that angelos Greek word, which means angel, but it may be talking about a person. And so, angel just means messenger. So they're relaying the word of the Lord. And so likewise, demons are getting their cues and their, their signs from the devil. It's just like what Lori said, there's, there's a hierarchy. The devil has to be organized to an extent because he is not omniscient, he's not omnipotent, he's not omnipresent. So he's, he's not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful, and he's not everywhere all the time. He's not God. So he has to have strategies. And so some of the strategies that he uses is what he, he tries to attack the head of things, right? So he attacks the head of the family. He, he attacks fathers, more so than maybe mothers. He attacks leaders. He attacks high places in government, high places in industry, high places in entertainment. All these high, he attacks the high places because he can't, it's more efficient and strategically smarter for him to attack the high places. So, <clears throat> demons operate in, these, in the same spheres that, that Satan does, which is deception, accusation, Jealousy, strife, envy, uh, destruction, sickness, murder, thievery. Alright? So, my next question is, what empowers demons? What gives them a place in somebody's life? Sin. Agreement. Okay? And sin... You don't necessarily have to have some kind of trauma that happened to you to have a demon influencing you or oppressing you. They, obviously, they can use trauma and wounds from the past, and they definitely like to do that, but you don't have to have that. So, when I worked at the Omni, um, this was probably the clearest example I've ever seen in my life, personally, up front, was one of the Trainers was a lesbian. And she didn't necessarily try to convert everybody to be homosexual, but she was very uh, unashamed of being a lesbian. And she was a knowledgeable trainer and a good, you know, as far as 
she was she was a good trainer. So she would have um, straight married women that would start working out with her, and who had kids. And six to eight months, it would seem like a third of these women would become homosexual. They want to get a divorce, and some of them did get, get a divorce. Now this trainer wasn't like in their ear saying, hey, like you're, you're a lesbian, you need to come over to the lesbian side. But she did have spirits on her that, and this is what I'm talking about, being defiled by a spirit, okay? And this can work in any, any dark area. So when these ladies were in, were getting, when you're not aware of that not every thought's your thought, you're not aware of the spirit world, then what was happening to these ladies, and some of them were, you know, were church-going people. I, I don't know if they're Christians or not, but they were church-going people. But I had no idea about the spiritual world. And so they started, so what those spirits do is they're like, hey, you like, you like women, and they might give them a feeling of being attracted to another woman. Right? And so what happens is, they're just looking for that woman to start agreeing with those thoughts and those feelings. Instead of being like, oh, that's not me. Where's this come from? I don't have those thoughts. I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. So that's how you, <laughs> you have to have like self-talk. Phil, um, Steve Backlund says you're, you're crazy if you don't talk to yourself. Because you gotta have, you have to be rebuking lies off of your life pretty regularly. Saying that's not me. And so what would happen is these women, these spirits beginning to file. So it's just imagine taking like a big sloppy paintbrush and like somebody just slopping paint on you. And you're like, man. But if you don't realize what's happening, you're gonna start believing that you're a different color. And you know, for my like, you know, for my kids, if my kids are at school. This is one of the prayers I pray for my kids is for them, the Lord to cleanse them from any unclean spirits. If you got a bunch of boys looking at porn on their phones, then there's there might be a lust spirit over there that wants to defile somebody that just wants to, you know, hey, come into agreement with this, that you need to do this or whatever. It can, it can happen in any area of darkness or sin. And so you have, that's a common defilement. I used to play Batman when I lived in Fort Worth. I played, I had this uh, regular pickup basketball game that was at this other church that wasn't the church that I attended to, attended at, but when I started playing basketball, there would be times after I left the basketball game where it was like a spirit of disillusionment would try to hit me. And so I would start having these thoughts and these feelings of like, is the gospel even real? Is Jesus real? Is this really what it's all about? Like we're just, I mean, these, these things that are not true. And I, mean, I would say, wait, I was like, this isn't me. This is the exact opposite of me. So, and I was like, I rebuke you. I rebuke you. Get off of me. And so what was, what could have happened? I don't know of any, I don't know any of the guys' personal stories, but there could have been a guy who's really battling like unbelief. Battling disillusionment. And I'm sitting, I'm playing basketball with this guy. And, but there's spirits on people. While you're playing basketball, it doesn't matter where you're at. And, and this, the spirits are looking for 
or somebody, you know, maybe I can take Travis on if he just happens to believe the lie. They're going to give it a shot, right? I mean, they're like, what's the worst? I mean, David's have the thought, what's the worst they can do? Say, no, they got the same thought. You, and so when, you, when those things are coming against you, you have to say, this is not, this isn't who I am. And you have to know who you are in order to battle these things. So, <clears throat> sin empowers demons. Any idols that we have in our lives empowers demons, which can be a number of different things. It can be children. It can be money. You can idolize your children. You can idolize money, obviously. You can idolize yourself. In, Levit in Leviticus, it says they shall no longer offer their sacrifices to goat demons, which they... It's talking about Israel, with which they played the prostitute. So Israel was overtly, that's called overt occultic witchcraft. <laughs> also, another way that you empower demons is if you, if you play around with witchcraft. So that's like horoscopes, palm readers, psychics, Ouija boards, um, things that are asking you to make vows and Declare things over that are not in agreement with God. Like, um, you know, sometimes there's like organizations that will make you make a vow and, and swear on your children's lives or something like that. And, you know, you don't want to do that. That's a cult. Deuteronomy says that they made God jealous with strange gods, with abominations. That provoked him to anger, a sacrifice to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known. So idols behind every idol is a demon. Behind every idol is a demon. So you have, say you, you really like yourself and you, you worship yourself and you come first in everything, then you there's very likely a spirit of narcissism, spirit of pride, things of that nature. So you love money, but you have, you have a, there's a spirit of man, spirit of greed. Those things can be working together. So any practice of habitual sin opens the door for demonic oppression. First John chapter three says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. But the devil has sinned from the beginning. So this is what I want to say is that everybody, everybody has a misstep, everybody sins, right? <laughs> like we we sin and like we're like, I wasn't really planning on doing that. <laughs> so everybody does that. When John's talking about he who practices sin is of the devil, he's saying, listen. You're clicking on porn every night and you're practicing it like it's a habit and, and that's what it means it's a practice you're doing it regularly scheduled and, and regimented when you're doing that he says you're of the devil meaning you're giving that place to the devil for him to rule and reign in your life in that area and so for me i definitely experienced that I, I definitely believe I had spirits of lust, pornography spirits. 
uh, when I was in college and was in, was in all of that stuff because I would even try to stop. I knew it was wrong. I would try to stop and I would, there would be pornographic material on top of my TV and I'd be like, I'm not going to do that again. I don't want to do it today. And then, lo and behold, later on, the day I couldn't resist. Why couldn't I resist? I was somebody that I would have, that has, uh, I'm disciplined, like I'm naturally been towards routine and discipline and things like that. But I couldn't resist this. And part of it's because the sin, there was a sin in my life which gave the open door for spirits to really control and oppress me and do what I did not want to do. So habitual sin provides a house for a demon to live in. I'm sorry, I have this wrong thing. Oh, madness. Thank you. Habitual sin provides a house for a demon to live in. Any practice of habitual sin provides an infrastructure or a house for that demon. So infrastructure by definition means inside structure. So you have a house on the inside of it. And what has God said about our bodies, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. What are some of the, have any of y'all had encounters with demons? Either you've had to fight them off, you've cast demons out of somebody, or you've seen them manifest. Raise your hand if you've had an encounter with a demon before. Anybody want to share your encounter?
because over there, um, there was a guy that came into the restaurant, and when he would walk by, he would, your hair would stand up. And when he'd go sit in a corner, he had these men sat around him. He was a big man for to be a Honduran. And his eyes were literally red. They were evil. You could look at him and see the evil in him. And there was one of the girls, he was there, we found out, to check up on one of the waitresses because he knew a Christian group was there, which was our group. And the men started praying over her. And then some of the women, and uh, we had not gone outside where they were, but when we did, we were told, be our barrier, pray. And at times he would try to go out and get to, to her, but it was like he couldn't get there. He could not get to her. And I said convulsion because she was convulsing. It's hair raising. It's you can feel the heaviness of the demon, but you also at the same time feel the lightness of the spirit. And it's something that's hard to describe. And uh, but if you're even in the vicinity and you're a Christian and you believe in God's word, you are a partaker. You're not a bystander. Yeah, um, just when she was in the mountains, I don't know if that was the same trip or not, but no, there, was, there was a woman who was uh, crippled with arthritis. And um, not every single sickness is caused by them. I think a lot more are caused by them than we give credit for. But this woman, she was hunched over like this. She was stuck in this position. So she walked like this. And um, they were praying for her. She wasn't getting healed. They said, do you have any unforgiveness towards anybody? And she said, yeah, the, the tribe on the other mountain, like, we hate them. They betrayed us. And all sorts of, you know, long history of betrayal. And they said, if you're willing to forgive them, like God with you. So they led her through prayers of forgiveness and repentance. And she was, she was healed like that. And so what was going on with her was that open door of bitterness, unforgiveness, open a door for this arthritic spirit or this spirit of infirmity to oppress her like that. And so when she closed the door, the, the demon no longer had any right to be there because it's been kicked out. And so a lot of healing, I, when I was in Brazil, there was, I was praying for a woman with scoliosis, and her spine literally looked like a snake. And uh, prayed for her, she didn't get healed. And then Rio, which is where we were at, Rio de Janeiro, and Carnival, Macumba, there's a guy named Macumba, a local guy, that's worshipped during Carnival. And in, in uh, Rio, in particular, you had a lot of mixing, like Christianity and Macumba, and like local uh, witchcraft stuff. Similar, like if you went to Haiti, there's a lot of somebody might say they're Christian, and then you like, they have food, and all that or something. 
And so I said, I said, do you still worship the Kumba? And she said, uh, a little bit. She said, and I said, well, you can't do a little bit. I said, it has to be all Jesus and nothing else. I said, you want to do that? Do you, will you repent for worshiping the Kumba? Go home and burn anything that you have dedicated to the Kumba? And she said, yes. So I prayed for her and her spine straight up. She was like a couple inches taller. And so, and I literally think the spirit on her spine was, was a snake, which is a sign of witchcraft. And uh, so you have things like that where to get, in order to cast the demon out, you know, Jesus said, if you, if you go to a house and you, you clean the house and sweep it clean of, of, of the unclean spirit, but the house is, still remains, that demon looking for uh, some place to rest, so it's, it's looking for a home, comes back, find, finds the house uninhabited and swept clean will bring seven other demons more powerful than itself with it. So the condition, the second time will be first and worst. So what's, what it's talking about is you got to get rid of the house, you got to get rid of the open door. And the Hebrew word for repent, the, the word picture, because every Hebrew letter has a word picture, so when you combine the pictures in the, the Hebrew word picture of repent, it means to burn the house down. So when we repent, what it's doing is it's burning the house down, but this demon wants to have it. And maybe it goes off, and when it comes back, it's like, there's no place to come back and bring seven more demons with me anymore. And so, repent, when we repent, we're burning the house down for any kind of demonic influences, as well as turning our hearts back to the Lord. It's both and we're turning, we're giving our hearts to the Lord, and it's burning the house down for any demonic pressure. Now Jesus was not, so Jesus was tempted by the devil, but the devil couldn't manipulate him because Jesus had no open door. So John 14, verse 30 says, I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. Some translations say it says that he has nothing in him. So when you, and a lot of times people talk about having a hook, having a hook in you. So if I feel like they have like a, you know, like this front porch or the back porch doors, the little island, I come in and he's not put my hook in and I can kind of yank him around. He's got that place where I can put a hook in. And so that's what the devil's looking for. He's looking for any place he can put a hook in that's a place like Jesus. Jesus had no, no place in the Now there's, for every habitual sin, there's an accompanying demon. So if you have, like I said, if you have, you're in pornography regularly, more than likely, there's a spirit of lust. You're angry a lot, a spirit of anger. You lie a lot, but then a lying spirit's going to come find a place there. If you're prideful, spirit of pride. And so nobody can tell you anything. You know, you, you, you learn from nobody and you're unteachable. Now Jesus, 
He said, in Matthew 9, that just as they were going out, a demon-possessed man who was able, unable to speak was brought to him. When the demon had been driven out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed, saying, Nothing like this had ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So they said, Nothing like this had ever been seen in Israel. Casting out demons is exclusively a new covenant reality. There's no mention of casting demons out in the Old Testament. Now, Saul had demons and they were subsided by David playing the harp for them. But there is, there's nowhere where it's like, hey, demon of so-and-so get out of there. Jesus inaugurated that, that ministry. Now, as his followers, we get to do the same thing because he says in Matthew 10, summoning his 12 disciples. You could put in this place, Jesus summoned Tyler, Glory, Phil, Travis, Megan, Cindy, Brian, Laura, Bo, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. And like I said, a lot of times healing people, healing of sickness and disease, sometimes there's like, a lot of times it could be deliverance or casting demons out with that. Jesus commissions and commands his followers to cast out demons. As I said, so then right after that verse, verses 7 through 8 in Matthew 10, it says, As you go proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And so we had, um, there was a lady that came to Convergence who was part of Satanic Church. She was sent there as a spy and to curse the church. But uh, one of my mentors, a guy named Tom DeMond, who was like the, the counselor, the pastor of the church, but he, he was also a deliverance guy. And he had, he just had a gift, you know, he was one of those discerning people where he could, could pick up on things. And he sniffed her out and he was like, this woman's, she's not, she's not here under good intentions. And so he got up front to talk to her and eventually she confessed she was from the Satanic Church, ended up. Tom and his wife ended up leading them to the Lord. And she would later say, she's like, Christians have no idea how much power they have. This is coming from a safe worship. <laughs> she said, Christians have no idea how much power they have. And the only way the devil keeps us under wraps is to deceive us into thinking that we have less power than what Jesus has given us. You know, and there was another lady that went to Convergence who her dad was the high priest of the Satanic Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And she was used as a breeder for baby sacrifice. So her dad, other elders in the Satanic Church would impregnate her. She'd have the baby that sacrificed the child. So on a side note, you tell me if abortion is of the devil or not. Because that's what they do at abortion. 
But this lady, so she was obviously in deep trauma. But the Lord healed her, restored her, saved her. Got her. I mean, you can't imagine being like deeper and dark. I mean, she was born into that, right? Knew no other way. But Jesus, he makes a way. Nothing stops him. Nothing can hold him back. Is anybody, anybody else going to, was there a story of your encounter with the demon? Jessica and I, we were members of Pike Baptist Church, which is the, the longest continuing Baptist Church in Georgia. And they have several meeting sites. And one of the meeting sites they just use periodically. It's made of fat lighter. And if you know what fat lighter is, it ignites really quick. And there were some students from another school out, out of our area that had come there. And they were, they built a fire and they were worshiping Satan. And one of the neighbors of the church saw smoke and, you know, called our, uh, our deacons. And they went down there, they got put out, but they called the fire department to come because it was that light. And the fire department said, that building should not be standing now because it should have burnt down. And the spirit was still in that building because people worshiped there. And that building is still standing. And they said in all of their knowledge of the fire, that building should have burnt down. That's like a sign of wonder. Like over the 
spirits and cast those out like right away just so nothing could get in and we would like pray preventatively before she would go on visits and stuff so it was just like very she was very vulnerable um, for them to come on her so and one of the things I want to debunk is it's I would say there's a lot of Christians that you that have some kind of a, if there's a place in their life where there's not freedom that there's very well could be a spirit there in that area of your life. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's pretty it's normal. Like oppression and possession are to, two totally different things. And I'm talking about oppression. Possession, somebody doesn't know the Lord and if somehow, you know, they could have many demons like the man that was uh was cast he was so so filled with demons, he had superhuman strength, and this, he was the demoniac of the Gerasenes. And Jesus cast all the demons out into the pigs. You can have people like that, or they're so, or Mary Magdalene had seven demons, things of that nature. But most people, whether it's been an area of sin in our life, and maybe we don't even recognize it, right? Obviously, if we did, we'd be like <laughs> repenting and like wanted to get out of there. But I think part of getting free is just realizing, oh, it's possible I could have like a, a spirit here, right? And that's that's gotten an open door somehow. Especially if it's habitual and it's cyclical. Like you're like, ah, this is thing that keeps happening in my life. And so, you know, um, I also want to say that God can heal, he can get rid of the enemy's sovereign as well. And I know that's, for me, when I first started walking with the Lord, there was a weak time where I, there was a spirit of fear in my room at my parents' house, like, and it touched my face one night, I couldn't see it. All I knew was Psalm 23. I just prayed myself to sleep with Psalm 23 every night, because I didn't know anything. That's all I knew what I do at that time. Well, after a week, the demon was not there anymore. There was peace in my room. And part of the reason, why was that demon in the first place? Well, I, I watched a lot of horror movies. Maybe it had found a place because of that, you know, growing up. I'm, I'm not real sure, but I know that the demon left after just even praying the word of God. So like the word of God's call. And um, when I surrendered my life to the Lord at the age of 23, I didn't pray any deliverance prayers, but I was delivered from pornography and from lust and sexual sin in that moment. And it's because there was a true repentance in my heart. And, uh, you know, like I said, the Lord, He can do whatever He wants. So He, he can sovereignly deliver us in those moments. Um, what was the other point I wanted to make? Still in my mind. I wanted to make the point that it's okay if you have a game. Because <laughs> you can get rid of it. And then there was another point I wanted to make. I'm going to go come to it. But I want us to, I want us to just to pray and ask the Lord just for, for insight and understanding. And today it was, it's, I call it like a theology of the of casting out things. And next week, we're going to have, 
I believe I'm going to show you a video about Terry Prince. It's like 15 minutes long, but he goes into like much greater detail. And this is to equip us um, when we, I believe, when we inevitably come into these situations that we have to deal with. And, you know, I've, there's also ways, we talk about binding and loosing. Um, if you're dealing with somebody that's not, that doesn't want to get rid of the demon, <laughs> but you've got to, but you want to like restrict the demon's influence, we call that binding instead of casting out. Because if that person, if you cast out the demon, and that person's like, I like the life. <laughs> What's going to happen is more, instead of more going to come, right? And so that in the very least, you have to, that person has to not, they, want to be, they have to want to be free. Somebody doesn't want to be free. It's like you can't help somebody, uh, an addict that doesn't want to be free from their addiction, you can't really help. They have to, they have to want help. Same thing with somebody suffering from a demon. But there are things that you can do. So like Steve Fish, he told, he told this story. Of, uh, he was in Cub, Cub Scout meeting. His kids were in Cub Scouts and they were having a service at like a traditional Baptist church somewhere in Fort Worth. And they were getting, somebody was getting up to preach the gospel and the Cub Scout leader was sitting on the front row with Steve. And the moment the gospel started getting preached. Cub Scout leader was like this. And there's literally like a spirit, there isn't such a thing as a spirit of slumber where you literally go to sleep. I've, I have seen that many times, especially in like traditional churches. And I mean, it happened to me the first time I ever preached at a church from the moment I started preaching there is, I mean, there's a guy, he's just like, four he's like, what's up, brother? How are you doing? Hey, good to see you. Hi. And he's like, Kirk, Kirk. And I'm like, open your Bibles. He's doing this. I mean, out the whole time. I'm like, I haven't even started preaching this. It's not my preaching. What's going on? So Steve, same kind of thing was happening. Cub Scout here. He's out. And Steve's just like, this is weird. This is weird. And so Steve, you know, he can, the guy's not conscious. He's not going to, you know. He said, if you spirit of slumber, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And the uh, Cub Scout was like, immediately woke up. And I heard the gospel. When I was in Brazil, we're in a worship service. And Brazilians, they work. They're very, they get after the worship, they're playing boy, they're dancing, they're singing. And, but there was a, I was um, up front because I was with this ministry team, so we had the front row seats, and there was a lady that was dancing, and it just didn't seem like, I don't know how to explain it, but it didn't seem like it was the Holy Spirit that was leading her to dance. That's the only thing I can tell you. It's called, that's why it's called discernment of the Spirits, because like, if you're just using like, X's and O's and logic, you know, well, technically she's not doing anything wrong, you know, but you have to have discernment of spirits. And so I kind of wandered up to the worship center. I was like, I'm going to do what Steve was doing. And so uh, 
I didn't know what spirit necessarily she was operating under. I said, you know, I said, unclean spirit, I bind you right now in the name of Jesus, be still. And she was dancing, she went. So in those cases, you can't necessarily cast out, but you can tell it to be still and not do anything. So at least you can, because sometimes you will have a distracting spirit that where you can't even talk to the person about being healed by Jesus. And, that, and when that's the case, like you just spirit distraction or bind you in the name of Jesus. So I can actually talk to the person so that maybe they want to repent, and then I can cast the thing out. And so, anyways, that's. that's some of the nuts and bolts, but next week will be more nuts and bolts. And I just want to talk about and kind of get this. Hey, this is something. My my burden as a pastor is I want y'all to be prepared. That's why we're talking about uh, end time stuff. You know, I've, I've said this before. Why do we need to talk about end time stuff? We've got over 150 chapters in the Bible, so it's must be important to Jesus. 150 chapters. And the whole book of Revelation hasn't even happened yet. So God's given us a blueprint for what to expect. And in the very least, if it's not going to happen in our lifetime, we need to teach our children. And um, so that comes from the place of I want y'all to be prepared. I want you to be prepared if you. And I want you to do this stuff. Like Jesus has given us, that's our inheritance. Talk about accepting our inheritance. Our inheritance is we get to cast out weapons. And we get to see people set free. When you see people set free from the modern question, it's like, I mean, it's a blessing in and of itself. You get blessed by sin because Jesus is there. And he set people free.